All right, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open up to Luke 15. We're going to be starting in uh, Luke 15, 11. We will have it up on uh, the screens behind me as well. Uh, the title of uh, our sermon today is uh, Welcome Home, and uh, you'll understand why as we, as we go through this. Uh, but Luke 15, 11 um, is a parable. Uh, there's many parables, and uh, it's a parable, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. And uh, this is uh, Jesus sharing this as uh, he's around tax collectors and sinners, um, and they were all kind of drawing near him. Uh, and the Pharisees and the scribes started grumbling and were getting angry that Jesus was eating and hanging out with, uh, with, um, with the tax collectors and the sinners. But uh, as it says here in uh, Luke 15, 11, uh, in, uh, mine's from the ESV, it, it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And we had spent everything. A severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out Uh, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hired, uh, servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Then the son arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard the music and the dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked uh, asked what these things were. Uh, meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. 
But he was angry and refused uh, to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, those many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. God, I just thank you. I thank you for this reminder, this parable. God, as we continue to dive into your word, I just ask that you be here. You speak through me. Uh, Thank you for the words that you put on my heart. Thank you for the words that I'll be sharing. Thank you for the example of this parable. God, thank you again for my brothers and sisters that are here. And I just ask that you be with them as as we go through this, that they, they hear and they have open heart and open mind as to what, uh, what you are talking about here, God. What a, what a great opportunity we have as Christians. Thank you, God, in your precious and holy name. Amen. All right, so we have an event coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, a big Thursday celebration. Thanksgiving, right? Not just the Macy's Day Parade, which my family loves. We wake up in the morning, we all still in our pajamas watching the Macy's Day Parade. It's become a, a tradition and seeing what balloons are there and what singers and acts are there. But Thanksgiving's coming. And one of the beautiful things about Thanksgiving is it's an opportunity for family and friends to get together. Right? We all know there's been times either in our lives now or in our lives in the past where um, we've, we've thrown out the invitation to family. Who's bringing what? What's, you know, who's got the turkey? Who's bringing the pumpkin pie, the pecan pie? Who, what, what is everyone bringing? But there's also the feeling sometimes in these family get-togethers of, oh, man, I hope Aunt Susan doesn't come. <laughs> now, I say Aunt Susan because I don't have an Aunt Susan. But so that protects me on the family that are watching. But... There's that feeling of, of so-and-so's going to be here. Or, man, I hope Uncle Clyde, again, I don't have an Uncle Clyde, so we're safe. Uncle Clyde doesn't talk politics. Or, I hope um, that Uncle Peter doesn't bring that drunk girl that he always brings with him. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, the family get-togethers where everyone's coming together, and they're enjoying a meal together. And talking about the things that they're thankful for. This Thanksgiving meal, this, Thanksgiving, this opportunity to get together. And you all know as well as I do. Over the last couple of years, um, I'm not going to say the C word, but since 2020, okay. There's been times where our families haven't been together. Our families were separated. Our friends were separated. And before that, if you were any part of social media you know some of the attacks that so-and-so you grew up with would make on people 
from the basement of his mom's house. <laughs> I'm just kidding there. But, you know, behind a computer, it's brave to be able to put mean stuff out about people. As we were apart through that time, there were mean things said. I know for a fact within my own family and through my friends that some of them aren't friends anymore on Facebook. And I know that's a big deal. You're not friends on Facebook anymore. Oh, boy. But it goes deeper than that. This is family and friends that, that have come apart because of actions or things that were said. Again, whether it's politics or your beliefs or um, anything. Family, friends, fellow believers. Because again, we weren't together in churches. The churches were closed down for a period of time. Some of them opened up sooner than others. But some of them were just virtual with people sitting at home watching in their pajamas. Not really getting together and getting to, to fellowship together and hang out together. And it tore us as believers apart. That even believers will attack each other on social media. Gossip about each other and tear each other down. Families are doing it too. And we've got an opportunity. As Thanksgiving's coming, we've got an opportunity to, 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 to change that. And as we read through here in this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, the son is desperate, Right? The son has asked for his inheritance. The son has asked for his half of the inheritance. He's asked to, to, to step away. And we don't know the reason behind that. We don't know. I mean, any of us that are parents, or any of us who have had parents, which is all of us, have had times where it's like, my parents are dumb. My parents do not know what they're talking about. My parents are foolish. What are they, what are they doing to me? And there's that feeling of wanting to get away. I know it. As a youth pastor here, I hear it from our students. Frustration and, uh, and anger and confusion as to why things are happening the way they are happening at home. Now, we don't know why this son wanted to leave, but he wanted half of his inheritance. And he bailed. He took his half of his inheritance, and he went, and he went, it says, a far away, and, and just blew it. Blew the money. And in the parable, we're led to believe that it happened quickly. Like he ran out of the money quickly. And you hear about like professional athletes that make the millions and millions. And it's like, man, if I could just make a million, you know, I can invest it and I can do this and I can do that. You know, but you hear about these athletes that make millions and millions. And then all of a sudden they're bankrupt and their lives are crushing down around them. And some of them are ending up homeless and, and all of these things. This young man, this son, took off. And blew all his money. Nothing left. And as he's desperate, it talks about, right? Uh, in, in Luke 15, um, 15. And he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. He, obviously he's out of money, okay? At this point, he's blown all of the inheritance money that was given to him. He went out and hired himself to the citizens of the country who sent him to the fields To feed pigs. Yikes. That doesn't sound like a really good job. (laughs) All right. He's out there in the slop. He's feeding the pigs. But that's not the end of it. As he's out there, he's longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. How many of you guys have ever been around pigs or a pig farmer or any kind of... 
that's some gross stuff, right? I mean, that's the, the little mix of junk of everything that the family didn't eat on top of some other junk, on top of some rotten stuff. It just stinks. And this guy is so far down that he's longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And it gets worse. No one gave him anything. He couldn't even get the food the pigs were eating. They were like, no, that's for the pigs. We got these pigs big. I mean, those of us who like bacon, we understand. Let's get these pigs big, right? You're not eating any of their food, all right? They would not give him even the pig slop to be able to eat. And the son, he comes to himself and he says, how many of my father's hired, hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with, hung, with hunger. We're led to believe at this part, part of the parable, what, what Jesus is saying is the servants are eating well, right? They got, a, they got leftover bread. They're eating well. They probably have a nice place to stay. They're taken care of. And the son realizes that I'm perishing here with hunger. And so, with his tail tucked between his legs, it says in 18, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This young man wasn't looking to go back and, and be able to live in the nice the nice house. He's looking to stay wherever the servants are staying. He's looking to work for his dad like the servants do and, and eat like the servants do. He's not asking for, um, for the, the amazing food that's inside the house and the amazing treatment and, and the robes and all the things that we, we hear of here later. He's not asking for any of that. He's asking to be treated as a hired servant. Guys, in my own life, I'm thankful. I'm thankful um, to God, and I'm thankful to my family. I've shared my testimony. The first time I came up here and, and did the sermon, and I shared a little bit about myself and all of that, but uh, I wronged my family, and I, and I sinned. I wronged God and what God calls me to do. I am standing up here today because I had to do this same thing. When I was in the pits and I was in the bottom and I was thinking about there's no way, no way that my parents will ever forgive me for the things that I've done. My family that I blew off in my time in the Navy or that I didn't really talk to even though I was 15, 20 minutes away from some of them with my tail tucked between my legs, when I hit that bottom, I went to them. And the reason I was able to go to them is because even though I was standoffish or I was spending money dumb or doing dumb things with my money or spending time in the bars and drinking and all of the things that were a part of my life, even though all of that stuff was happening, during mail call in the Navy, I'd still get a letter from mom or dad telling, telling me they love me. I have so many of those letters still. 
Some of those letters from my dad helped get me through my time in the Navy and get me through that part of my life. My grandma, my grandma who just recently passed away, we'd get mail call, and if I walked in there and I saw six, seven sailors that I worked with that were standing in the mail call room just standing there, I knew I had a package from grandma because grandma made the most amazing brownies with the most amazing icing, and all of them knew that. That when that package came in and it said Grandma Mac up in the return label, they saw that box. They knew it was in that box. And thankfully, they were respectful enough of me that they didn't tear the box up because there could have been times, and maybe there was, that I didn't get the brownies Grandma, Grandma sent. But they knew I'd share it. Grandma and Grandpa sent me letters. My other Grandma and Grandpa sent me letters. Aunts and uncles would send me a postcard or a letter. Those letters and things that I received kept it in my mind, even at the bottom, like I talked about before, even at the bottom point, that I knew I had a soft pillow available to me. I had somebody and people that loved me. In my mind, I was telling myself I don't. It's very similar to this. He's in the bottom of the pits. He's eating, wanting to eat pig slop and not able to get it. And he's struggling. He sees the end ahead of him, that he's about to perish. He's going to perish with hunger. I saw my end as well. So he arose, it says in, in 20, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran, embraced him, and kissed him. The dad didn't know what level things were at in this parable. The dad didn't know how bad things had gotten. He was just thankful to see his son again. My parents didn't know how bad things had gotten. My parents, until many years later, didn't know that I was contemplating ending everything. My parents didn't know any of that. They just knew I was down in the dumps. But they were so glad to see me. When I started going back to church, I remember that hug when I went back to Spokane and visited my parents and hung out with my parents and my brother and all of that. I remember that hug. Man, what a hug. And there's been other times since that I, I had made a mistake or whatever else until I, I really got back into uh, serving God at the level um, that I am. But there were times where I'd made mistakes. But my parents always had the arms open, ready to welcome me back. I'm forever grateful to God for that, that he blessed me with those parents. But it wasn't just my parents, it was friends too. I've wronged friends, and they've welcomed me back. He ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I was in the same place. To me, Inman means a lot. Man, it means a lot. 
My last name that I, that I have means a lot. My dad's got a list of all the people on his side of the family that have served in the military. And I look up to each and every one of them. My dad was uh, a Navy guy, and then he served local fire department for many years. He served our family for many years. Inman, to me, meant a lot, and I felt like the man in this parable that I wasn't deserving of being an Inman anymore. But he said, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. And the father said to the servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate praise God they celebrated the son coming home. Praise God. But then it leads to the next one. Okay, the dad's excited. The son is excited. It's a better response than what he thought he was going to get. Okay, he, he was kicking around the idea of going and tucking his tail between his legs, and he did it. And a much better response than what he was anticipating. He is the son. He has a robe on. He's got, the, he's got shoes on his feet. But we get to the next part. The older son, which is in the field, he came and drew near the house. He heard the music and the dance, and he called out to one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he was rece- has received him back safe and sound. And the older brother was angry. And he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, and he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my my friends. Not even a young goat compared to the fattened cow. The older brother is angry. He's frustrated. He's mad. He's served diligently, and he's done what's been asked of him. And here this younger punk is coming home and getting all this hookup. This younger punk that probably stinks, let's be honest, okay? He's been out here with the pigs and all that for however long. They haven't even talked about a shower in the parable yet or cleaning up or anything like that. Not even a stop at the river to help his family out on the way home. It is bad. And the older brother is angry. And he said in 30, when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed, you killed the fattened calf for him. The father says, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Praise God. Absolutely. Guys, it's hard. Both sides of this, like the younger brother, 
Embracing God's love and forgiveness that's available to us. Okay? This parable, as I talked about my parents, God was forgiving to me. God welcomed me back. God had open arms. When I realized the mistakes that I made and that I'm not worthy of anything, God, I am horrible. Everything that I learned as a kid, everything that I learned in youth group, in my mind, labeled me as a failure. That's not saying anything against my youth pastor or anybody that I grew up in in church with. But the mindset that I grew up around was if you make a mistake, whew, you, need, you can uh, maybe hear it through the windows or out the door of the church. We don't want you in this church. My church wasn't that way. But it felt that way when I was down in the dumps. And a lot of believers, a lot of people that have left, left the church, that's their feeling. I'm not going to be welcome back there. They know what I've done. I made the Newtown page. Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously, the feeling is we can't come back. God welcomed me back. And God didn't just welcome me back. He welcomed me back and he said, hey, I got some, uh, some stuff for you in the future. Some stuff that you're not going to anticipate. Some things that I'm going to have you do that you have no idea you're going to be doing it. But I'm going to start preparing you for what I have for you, Doug. And I kept going through trials and I kept going through issues and I kept going through pain and suffering and frustration and anger and letting my parents down and letting my family down and all the different things that that happened to me. But through it all, the open arms were there by my family, by my parents, by my friends, but most importantly by God. God was there with open arms to welcome me back when I turned my life back over to Christ. And he's given me a mission and a passion for doing what I'm doing right now. To be able to share with the children like I'm able to here at True Life or be able to share with the youth like I'm able to, I love it. To have an occasional Sunday that I get to come up here, I'm telling you, the first time I did it, I was scared to death. This morning... I was scared to death. Satan's going to attack me, and I've had people tell me, if you walk into church on the day that you're preaching and you feel 100% comfortable, you're doing the wrong thing. Because Satan is going to tell you that you're not worthy, that you're not capable. As we learned in the parable, this young man was told the same thing. That is how he felt. Guys, I share all of this with you Again, as we're coming into Thanksgiving, think about your family. Think about your loved ones. The person you may not have invited, (laughs) invite them. Or at least pick up the phone and call them. Or drop them a note. The notes that I received kept me going. The little messages or grandma's brownies or whatever else helped me know that I was loved. You've got people in your life, I know you do, and I've got people in my life that are struggling with things. We can't be that older brother. We can't. We can't think, well, God, I'm doing all these things for you, and here you're going to hook up this homeless person. Here you're going to hook up this person. We don't know the circumstances any of these people are in. 
We don't know why they're where they're at. But we are called to love them. We are called to be there for them. We, we are called to share Jesus with them. When we turn our nose up and we walk away, or we say, hey, I can't associate with those people, I just don't get it, or I don't like them, or they stink, or whatever the excuse is, we're missing out on an opportunity that God's putting in front of us. If my family hadn't done what they did, and others hadn't done what they did, I wouldn't be here today. And to be honest, as I look around this room, I don't know all of your stories, but I've learned some of them. You'd be in the same boat. I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys. I'm thankful for the opportunity to come here home to my home church on Wednesdays, Sundays, during the week. I got to hang out with Ryan a couple of times um, this week. But just the opportunity to be able to be around you guys, to live around you, to share stories. Guys, that has to equip us. That has to build us up, and that has to get us ready for battle. Because when we leave here, we have school, we have work. If you're like me, you got 50 sports at one time. We've got dance. We've got cheerleading, which is a sport, Daisy. I'm sorry. I, I meant to group that in with the sports. We have activities that are happening nonstop in our lives. Right now, we've got families that are looking at colleges. We've got all kinds of things that are happening. And people are crossing our path. Regardless of someone's story, regardless of someone's past, we need to be like the Father in the parable. We need to invite them into the church with open arms and with a loving heart, regardless of what's going on in their life. The moment we judge, the moment we put down, the moment that we put a label on somebody, we are that older brother. And again, it says in 31, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. God, thank you. Thank you for your open arms to me, God. Thank you for your open arms to each of my brothers and sisters that are here and those that are watching. God, I thank you for the support system that I had in my rough patches. I thank you for the support system that my brothers and sisters here have had. God, let us be a support system for each other. I am thankful for True Life Community Church. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here as an associate pastor. But more, more than that, God, I'm thankful for each of my brothers and sisters that care about me, check in on me, or check in on my family. Let us continue to be there for each other. But God, let that love, unconditional love, the, the non-judgmental love, that we don't end up like the older brother, but let us love up on this community in a way that they are not ready for. God, there's all kinds of things that people are battling with and all kinds of things going on in people's hearts out there in this community. 
And we got people that are dealing with anything that's alcoholism or homelessness or anything that's going on in their life, not feeling like they can fit in. God, you planted True Life Community Church right here for a reason. Help us reach out to all of the communities, Charlestown, to Newtown, Deerfield Village, to Fox Run, to Fox Hill, God, out to Ports of Sioux, West Alton, the 370 Valley. You have us all here on a mission, and we've all come from different places. So help us. Help us be the Father in this story. As riches every Sunday, opening that door with a handshake, a hug, or a high five. Let us all be welcoming and loving of everybody that comes in these doors. And those that are afraid to come in these doors, God, let them see a light shining out of this this building that is welcoming, loving, and there for them. Be with us, God, as we get ready for Thanksgiving and all the headaches of making sure everything's clean and all the food's prepped right and everything's ready to go. Let us put all that aside when the family walks in the door or we walk into our family's door. That we can love on each other, we can stay away from the judgmental talk and the political talk and all the different things that polarize and pull people apart. That we can break bread and love up on each other. It's been a rough couple years, God, away from our friends and family. And as we're still transitioning back and getting back into that groove, be there through that groove that us as believers can shine that others see it. Thank you, God, for all that you do. And again, thank you for my brothers and sisters that are a part of True Life as well. And for my brothers and sisters that we have not met yet that will be a part of True Life. We ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.